8.30 on a Sunday. I want to talk about vision. So you're asking me, what does that really mean? What's, what does vision mean? Well, when someone asks you, what is your vision in life? In other words, what do you see yourself doing 10, 20, 30 years from now? I can answer that question easily. Well, the vision that I have in my life is to make one area of the world filled with sunshine, brightness, happiness, not depression, not grief, not sadness, no darkness. Now, one person may not be able to do it, but a bunch of us can if we all pitch in and we do it together as a group. The reason why I'm putting myself away from the group Because, again, from my LinkedIn connections, from the time that, you know, everyone said to me, we're so impressed with your stories and your struggles of, of the things you had to go through in your younger years and the person you are now, the woman you've become now. We can make that into a documentary, whether it's television, radio, whatever. I prefer to be on the screen. Why? Because I want people to associate my voice with my face. If you only hear my voice, you have no idea who I I am and what I look like. The only people that are closest to me are the ones that really know me. But I do want to make a difference. I want to bring a measure of sunshine, joy, happiness. Um, I really want that. I I think everybody deserves some type of love in their life, some type of joy, sunshine, because there are a lot of places in the world that don't have sunshine. And I'm not talking about weather. I'm talking about there's depression, there's grief, there's sadness, there's poverty, there's sickness. That's, That's what I'm talking about. But when you say to me, how could one woman make a difference well it's easy when i was younger when i was a little girl i didn't like the idea that in some countries there was so much poverty so much sickness so much of everything and then you compare the world that you're living in where there's sunshine there's hope there's life i didn't like it And when I was younger, I said, you know, one day when I get to be a certain age, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do something for other people. I'm going to make them happy. I'm going to give them a sense of hope, a sense of purpose in life. You know, everyone has a vision. Everyone says, well, what's your vision? And I could tell you again, it's helping others. And I believe that if I do that, that will be the biggest, the biggest joy that I can give to myself, but to other people too as well, because you got to understand something. It's very, very important. Life in general is a struggle for everybody. Doesn't matter in what part of the world you're at, whether you're here in the United States or overseas. We're all struggling. We're all struggling. Um, Some have 
struggled and are at a point in their life where they can move forward. And then there are others that are not so much. But I'm going to tell you something. In my lifetime, I don't like to see anyone go without. As a matter of fact, now, if this was a video podcast, I want to show you exactly what I'm talking about. I have boxes of things that I'm just planning on giving away. There is no cost. You, Whatever I give you, you take it. You don't have to worry about, oh, I don't have the money. No, I'm not asking for money. I just want you to take it. It's coming from my heart. It's coming from my heart. I don't put value on the things I have, and I don't expect people to pay me for the things that I give them. No. Grand gesture. I want you to know that I'm the type of woman that will not take any type of compensation. If you decide you want to give me compensation, well, that money will be used for a good a good thing. In other words, uh, life-saving medication, uh, shelter, food, quality education, you know, and, and everything else in between that other countries just don't have. If you go around the world and you see a lot of sadness, a lot of darkness, a lot of uh, grief, people are losing others to illness, to violence, that's unacceptable in my book. If you raise a family, you want to know that your family is safe. But if you're living in an environment where there's constant violence and you're afraid to go out of your own home, that's a problem right there. You should be able to go freely and move about and not have to worry about, well, if I step out of the store with my children, am I going to make it to my destination alive? Or am I going to have to be watching my step every step of the way? No, we wouldn't have to live like that. Now, it's like that here in America, too. It's not just overseas. America, there are places that are violent, places that you wouldn't want to go to if you're by yourself. Now, if you're with a group of people, it's better, safety in numbers. If you go by yourself in unknown territory, yeah, there is a chance that you could become a victim. There is a chance that somebody could hurt you. But then you got to protect yourself. When I was younger, I used to carry with me mace. Did I use it? No. If I had to, I would. But I didn't. I just carried it around with me. And I knew that if somebody did try to hurt me, I was ready. I was ready to use that mace. But I didn't have to. Now I don't do that anymore. I think when you get to be a certain age, things are different now. You can take care of yourself. And you have every right to defend yourself, your loved ones, your property, whatever it is you're trying to defend. Nobody can take that away from you. Nobody can say to you, you're not allowed to do that. You can and you should. But when you people tell me what is your vision in life, well, my vision is to make a better world for those people that are living in poor conditions. I'm sorry, I cannot turn my back away from people who cry. Have you ever heard of a child, children crying, they're dying inside, they're dying. There's no food. There's nothing that brings them joy. It's all sadness and crying. And you feel bad for the parents because the parents can only do so much. They're struggling as well to make a, a good life for their children, and they can't. Where we step in, and I was thinking about this in my head, of funding an organization that will help others. Clothing, food, toys, shelter, whatever is needed. 
Because again, you could donate, you can do these GoFundMe pages, you can do these uh, concerts and benefits, but in my book, that's just not enough. There's so much more that could be done. And I'm sure that there are other people that have started up organizations and they're doing all of those things. But for me, it's, it's personal. And I want to be able to make a difference to all of the people out there, to anybody and everybody, specifically people who are also dying from illnesses. The reason why I'm focusing on cancer is because I'm a cancer survivor. And I can easily tell you, if you don't get the proper treatment, if you don't get yourself treated by a doctor and you're doing it on your own, you're not going to live. Basically, you're giving yourself your own death sentence because without that critical medication and that critical machinery, you're not going to make it. If there's shame involved and you say to me, the reason why I won't go to the doctor is because I can't afford it. Well, that's when we come in. We're going to make it so that it's easy for you to go in and you don't have to worry about the cost. The cost will be taken care of. That's the least of your concern. Your concern, your main concern is getting yourself back to the person you were before you got this illness. In other words, to become strong and fight like a warrior into the battle we call cancer. Now, on a sad note, when I heard about my friend or the person that I actually, not even my friend, I didn't know her personally, but I thought I knew her from Instagram, the young woman who died from terminal cancer at the age of, I believe she was 30 when she passed. I was grief-stricken because I had paid tribute to her back in May when someone from LinkedIn shared her story and her video and then I went to her actually followed her on Instagram and I was just devastated I'm like oh my god a beautiful young woman had her whole life out of her but you know what she wasn't afraid she was very fear fearless I admired that and she told her story and got all the attention of everybody whether they were famous or not she made a legion of fans. She had people supporting her, her family, and everybody else in between. And I just admired this woman. I said, I wish I can connect with her on a one-to-one -one basis and maybe put her on my podcast and say, hey, look, let's talk about your illness. Let's talk about what I went through with my illness and let's compare. But the only difference is her illness was terminal. Mine wasn't. And I felt, wow. Her life was taken from her at that young age, and I'm still here. Do I feel guilty? Yes, I do. There was a sense of guilt. Even when my father passed away from cancer and I had survived, yeah, there was a sense of guilt. Um, I also believe that, you know, we as a... Um, we as human beings need to show more compassion and understanding not to judge not to criticize people who have an illness or had an illness see to this day i still get uh discriminated because of my quote pre-existing condition people look at you differently when you tell them yes i battled cancer i'm here and you went through the whole process well they're hesitant to take you on board and i'm thinking but why well, how do we know that the cancer is not going to come back and you're going to be out? How do you know that, that, what if it doesn't come back? You can't make these assumptions. But there are a lot of people that will not take a chance, and I think that that's wrong. 
And I think if you're gonna discriminate against me or discriminating against anybody who had an illness and fought it and is here, knock on wood, survivor, we don't judge a person because of that. But I think that in, in my time now, I have actually came across something on my phone that I'm preparing on doing. It's just a matter of getting it together. So I'm creating a trailer of some sort based off of my life and everything that happened prior to what ha- what's going on now trying to get it together, trying to set it up. It's hard though. I'm learning. I'm trying different things. I have the premise. I have it set up. I just don't have the pictures, the video, the photos. I have everything else and I'm trying to change it up a little bit. But the thing that I want to make clear is there are a lot of people out there that have um issues you know you're going through illnesses everybody goes through an illness but everybody also gets judged very differently some people yay congratulations you're a survivor others question you and then they ask you questions that do I really want to answer I don't know you're getting a little too personal with me maybe I'll tell you maybe I won't But I do want to do a documentary on my life. I think that how I view life versus how everybody else views life, it's different. There's nothing wrong. There is nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. And I'll tell you why. You don't want to be like everybody else. I I like to think that I'm different. I'm not the type of woman that puts other people down. I'm not the type of woman who judges and criticizes because, hey, it's been done to me, but I'm not going to go turn around and do it to you. I feel that if you criticize, you're really attacking that person for everything that they stand for. I think it's wrong. I accept everybody in my life, everybody, you know, and it doesn't matter who you are, your social situation, your financial status, your background. None of that matters to me. What matters to me is the person you are now versus what you were then. Now, if you look back, if I look back at my life right now, I can tell you that, yes, I've done a lot of things I'm not proud of. You know, I haven't committed any crimes or anything. I'm just saying, when you get to be a certain age, like when I was in my 20s, I thought, yes, I'm invincible. You know, nothing's gonna happen to me. Well, it did. I got attacked. But I learned from that lesson. I learned from it. Now, the other thing that I wanna make clear is, you know, everybody has a story to tell. I like to focus on people like myself who have come a long way. In other words, in where you are in this world now, how did you get to where you are now? How did you manage? What did you, who did you fall back on? Who were your role models? Who inspired you? You know, everybody asks you these questions and I can tell you, well, my parents inspired me. My father and mother both worked hard to provide us with a good life, to give us everything that we have that they didn't have. And when they look back at their own lives and they think, wow, let's compare. Well, they grew up in the Great Depression. We didn't. Every decade is different. I grew up in the 70s. Well, I was born in the 70s. I was born in the 70s. So I think to myself, I am grateful that my mother and father gave me life. You know, because it's easily, you know, it could have been like, well, they only wanted two children when I came along. Surprise, a third child. It happens. 
But my mother loved me no, no less, you know. She loved her children equally. You know, there was no favoritism, and there shouldn't be. You should love your children equally, no matter in which order they come from, whether they're firstborn, middle child, lastborn, whatever. I was lucky enough to be the lastborn. <laughs> but there are pros and cons to that. Yes, everybody always dotes on, quote, the, um, the, the youngest child. You know, she gets spoiled and gets all the attention. The middle child gets forgotten. Then the oldest child gets to do everything first because they're the oldest. With me, though, you know, yes, I was the youngest, and I kind of was the, quote, tattletale. I used to tattle on my sisters and tell my parents what they were doing. That was the, the job of the youngest child, you know? I wasn't doing anything wrong. But you have to understand something. You know, in this day and age, if you look at how people, families, when they have children, you shouldn't tell me, oh, I have one favorite child. You could have three, four, five, no, however many children you have in your, in your life. You don't favor one child over the other. That's wrong. You love them equally. Because how does the child feel? Oh, oh, I'm, uh, my brother's the oldest, and then my sister's the middle child, and I'm the youngest. But look at the way I'm being treated versus them. My mother likes this person. My father likes this person. And what's left? I don't have either my mother or my father to like me. So, which is kind of like, you know, a little bizarre, if you want to call it that. Um, My father and mother, they loved us all equally. My father was lucky enough to be the only man in a house with with all females. Okay? Come on. And I'm sure the neighbor's like, hey, you're lucky. You're the only man in the house with all the females. You should be lucky. My father didn't seem to mind, you know. But um, when he passed, then it was just all females. So it was hard growing up without a male figure in the house. I missed it. And I knew my mother wasn't going to get married again. But I wouldn't let her either because I don't trust, quote, they're only out to get you because you have money. That's what the main intention is when you become a widow or a, or a widower. You think, oh, well, I'm just going to romance them. But deep down inside, I'm going to go after what they have. Well, let me tell you something. If you try to romance my mother, you're not going to get far in terms of money. Because she kept her money tight on a leash and hidden so that nobody would know that she had any. You get the impression that, yes, you could have money, but still act like you're, you know, not, quote, wealthy. And she wasn't wealthy. It's whatever my father left behind for her and for us. There was no amount of wealth at all, you know. But you got to be happy with the person that you're with in your lifetime. If you start judging and criticizing people at an early age, what kind of a person will you be later in life? Not someone I want to be around. I've been around people who are racist. I've been around people who are sexist. I've been around people who just criticize others. And for what? Does that give you satisfaction? You know, not everybody can be in the same class as you. That's another thing, stop labeling people. One thing we should never do is labeling people upper class, middle class, lower class, the poor. Don't do that. People are people. Regardless of your social status, regardless of where you come from and who you are and your background, none of that should matter. None of that should matter. But in this day and age, everything makes a difference. And I don't know if you've ever seen this on one of these shows, but they actually did an experiment. You know, upscale boutique. 
two people walk in. One is of the upper class. Dresses nice, has the money, this and that. Another person walks in, is average. Looks like they could dress a little bit better, but they're in their comfortable clothes because that's who they are. Okay, they're, they're showing their true self. But you don't know if they have money or not because you're judging them based on the outward appearance, which is wrong. They may have money, they just want to be comfortable. You don't have to necessarily, because you come into wealth, you have to dress like you come from wealth. I could be in the most comfortable clothes. Nobody would know if I had money or not. I'm not going to come out and, and, and open up my purse and say, hey, look at all the money I have. No, but people do that. Why? Because they think that, well, if I have all this money, I must be somebody very important. Are you? Because to me, you are, quote, greedy. Greedy. That's what you are. You pull out the wallet and all this wad of money is shown. I'm not impressed with that. I'm not. Just show me who you really are. Show me the type of person you are without showing me that you have money. You could dress to the nines. We can go out together as a couple, right? And all of a sudden, people are going to start judging. They're going to think, well, who's the person who has the money and who isn't? Does it really matter? My sister, I'll give you an example. My older sister worked for a country, a country club that was catered to all snobs. I said, how did you deal with all the job was good, but the people were kind of rude? Well, if the job was good and the pay was good and the people were rude, how did that make you feel every day when you went into work? I'm sure they treated you like you were nothing. She goes, no, it's just, you know, when you're dealing or working for a quote exclusive country club, you have to have certain things you have to do. You have to have certain manners. And I'm like, and what's the point? Do they look down on you because you're not one of them? I think that's wrong. You shouldn't label people by how they look. Again, the scenario, both of you are walking to an upscale boutique. Now, the, the person behind the counter will, will probably help the one that has the money and look at the other person, overlook them and say, oh, you don't belong here. Oh, really? Well, you know, last time I checked, now you can be like sarcastic and pull out like, and they look at you like, oh my God, I apologize. I'm sorry. You should be. You shouldn't judge a person because what? If I dress like a bum, you're going to automatically assume that I'm, quote, poor. What kind of a... I wouldn't want to come into the store again if that was the case. But then the woman, on the other hand, who's, quote, upscale and is uppity and this and that and looks down on you and you're looking like, what is your problem? Why are you staring at me? You've never seen, quote, a person, a real person before. Without judging me on how I'm dressed, you automatically assume I'm poor. Hmm. Well, that's a slap in the face. Because there are people that do that in this day and age. That's why I think you do these experiments. We show who, how people are really behind the scenes or when they're on camera. How they really act. Because if someone said to you, I don't care if you have money or not. But when you do this experiment, you do care. Because you're going towards the person that's well-dressed versus the person that's just comfortable. Not everybody who's rich has to be dressed up to show that they are. I've run across people like that in my lifetime. When I've worked, they think they're so better than you. And they look down on you and they talk down to you. What's up with that? You're not a true human being if you do that. Show a little respect. But then 
I'm proud of where I come from. If my story ever came out, I'm proud to tell my story and how I grew up because there's no shame in it. The real shame is denying where you come from, denying who you are, denying who your family is. Say if you were, another example, say if you were born poor. Well, not born poor, but if you were poor, your family was poor, but they made the best of what they had and you accepted it. Then when you got older, you decided I'm gonna marry someone who's rich. So you took on their lifestyle, but when it came time, you are the same person you were before, regardless of whether or not you marry someone with money. Why? You cannot run away from your past, from your childhood, from where you come from. If you do that, you're denying who you are. And if you deny who you are, it's like saying, I'm ashamed. You're ashamed of your family. You're ashamed of the people that you, were, that you grew up with. You're ashamed of, of all, that lifestyle. That is very shameful on your part if you do that. Because there is no shame. And if the person you're with can't understand that, why are you with them? Well, so I think that if you put wealthy people versus people who have struggled, the people who have struggled are a little more understanding and compassionate and nicer than the people who haven't. The people who haven't get everything handed to them on a silver platter. That's what I don't like. That shows to me that you did not really climb that corporate ladder everything was given to you therefore you had it easy but for the rest of us that's not how it is and in this day and age stop putting labels on people with i'm a middle class i'm upper middle class no you're a person period you're a human being be proud of who you are and where you come from i'm going to keep stressing that for all of you out there that feel that there's shame that you have to impress other people but they're not gonna like me so if they're not gonna like you why are you around them you don't need to associate with snobs I've been around conceited people I've been around people who think they're better than me you're not better than me you're not and don't try to pretend that you are you're not I don't like that bothers me show me your true self show me who you really are show me who you really are show me Give me a sense of who I'm dealing with. Give me a sense of who my actual friends are in this world. Now for me, I stay away from people that quote, think they're better than than me. I may not look like I quote, have money. If I have money, I am comfortable in my my surrounding, in my, the way I am in my wardrobe. I don't have to impress upon you. I don't even have to prove to you who I am. I know who I am. The question is, who are you? Because you're not a true human being if you deny where you come from. And if you deny where you come from, you're ashamed of your family. If you brought home the man of your dreams, but you lied to him in the process and said, oh yeah, I came from a rich family. When it comes time that he wants to meet your family and you go to, he go to meet your family, are you going to be ashamed to tell him exactly where you come from? Do you think that he's going to love you less because if that's the type of man you're going to be with? Then no, you don't deserve that type. You deserve someone who's going to accept you as you are, who you are, and it doesn't matter whether or not you had a poor background or a wealthy background. If that shouldn't even matter. Love shouldn't be classified as poor, rich, middle class. No, love is love. You love someone because you love them for who they are, not what they represent and where they come from. Stop stereotyping.
That's stereotypical on people's parts. Well, so when we came into this part of the United States, when we came into this town, we were not liked at all. We were different. Why? Because when you come from a European country and you're the only Greek family versus a whole town of Anglo-Saxons, you kind of stick out like a sore thumb. It took a long time for us to be accepted. And the way I remember, we did not get, quote, the welcome wagon to come out our front door and welcome everybody in the neighborhood like they, that you see on TV or in the movies. It wasn't like that for us. And then I got teased at in school because of my name. They thought, well, I have a foreign name. I must not learn how to speak English. Well, guess what? I opened up my mouth. Surprise, I can speak English. I was born here. But my parents and my sisters, they were born in another country. But they picked up on the language really quick, you know. And, and my, both my mother and father were smart. They didn't have any education, but they got by with what they had. They had a lot of wisdom and knowledge, and they taught, the, taught us what to do with it. They taught us how to respect others, how to give back, how not to judge and criticize. Because when you start doing that, what happens when you have kids? You want your kids to be like you. You're teaching them the wrong set of values. You don't do that. In this society, you teach right from wrong, good from bad, how to show respect, how to treat others, how to give back, how to help when it's needed. Because if you start acting like everybody else, I'm telling you right now, I don't have patience with that. And I will come down hard on you. I might even give you a lecture on how to treat people. So then when I was growing up, I did have friends from all over the world. And I said to myself, if ever in my lifetime I go and I say, stay in a country, I want to be exposed to other people's culture. I want to be exposed to other people's backgrounds. I want to be exposed to everything and anything about that person. That's what I want to do. But I don't want to hear from other people, oh, you don't understand what it's like. I do understand. But I try not to think about it. Why? Because right now, how I'm living is comfortable. But right now, I also have things on my mind. And the one of them is the vision. The vision to create a better place for everybody. So that when tourists come into this part of the world, they're not going to be afraid. They're going to be proud. They're going to bring their friends and their family and whoever's with them. Come into this country. Let's visit. Let's see how beautiful it's become. Beautification. If you think about it, we can make it beautiful. We can make it happy. We can have celebration. We can have just take away everything that's bad and replace it with good. In other words, no poverty, high quality education, food, shelter, the finer things in life. But I'm not talking about wealth. I'm talking about, for them, a new life. There is no grief, no depression, no death, no nothing. There's light, not dark. But we can do that. And not just myself. I get a group of people to come with me. And we can do this. Then I'll be happy. Then I know I would have made a difference. And behind me, I would leave the legacy. This was a woman that we loved. She helped us. She didn't judge us. She gave us what we wanted. So because you see a lot of people will not go into certain countries because of the conditions. Well, we can do something about those conditions and do something now. Not 10 years from now, not 20, not 30, now. Because it's critical. I see videos coming from other countries of how people are living. And it's very sad. Very sad. The conditions are deplorable. 
people are on top of one another, or nobody knows that they live in these types of surroundings. That's what's very sad and very, very, very sad, very, very, like, tearful. When I see videos of that, I am so filth, filled with emotion, sadness. There should be sunshine, grief, celebration, joy, dancing, but there's none of that. And, you know, when you say, oh, well, it's not our problem, yes, it is a problem. It's a global problem. Because I'm sure here in the United States, if you go to certain parts of the United States, you might find something that you didn't even think existed. People are probably living in these poor little places, cramped on top of one another. The conditions are horrible. No running water, no food, rats everywhere. I mean, think about that. Is that the type of life you want to live? No. Is that the type of life your children want to live? No. Nobody should live in those conditions and nobody should be treated as if they're nothing and forgotten. So we're going to change that. That's my vision for 2022. Now, see, 2021 is almost over. It's what? We're in August. I was going to say the end of this year, but I have a feeling that everything will have to start by 2020. 2020 and on. 2022, I'm sorry. 2022. So let's say a prayer together, making this vision happen, bringing the joy, the sunshine, the happiness, everything and anything for all the people that deserve it and for our whole continent. So let's do this together, shall we? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God bless. Amen. Have a blessed Sunday, a wonderful week. Take care.